Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hello, welcome back to Therapy and Theology. We are diving into part two of my three-part series that I kicked off the year with. If you didn't listen to last episode, that's okay. This episode will stand on its own. But if you want to go back, I really encourage you to do so. And so in last week's episode, we talked specifically about what love is and why we are called to love God and to love others. And it all comes out of this beautiful story of our belovedness, that God's movement towards us is always out of good intent. And today's episode is going to be kind of a continuation of that as we look at the question of how do we love? So I want us to begin by looking back at verse 27. It says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Something that I love about this passage is that it expounds on how we are able to love with our whole being, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And this in many ways provides us with a roadmap for how God designed us to both receive and to give love in relationship with Him and with others. And it also gives us an awareness of where we're at, you know, being able to kind of check in with our different components of ourself can help us learn what we need in order to grow in love, both in receiving of God's love and giving to those around us. So I wish I was sitting with you in person and I had a big whiteboard next to me to be able to draw this out for you, but we'll use our imaginations instead. So I'll describe it to you. If you could draw four quadrants, four boxes, and the top two boxes having mind and strength and the bottom two boxes, soul and heart. Um, within this is what we would call the elements of our personhood, our mind, our strength, our soul, and our heart. So let's define each of these, and then we'll go into exploring how each of them helps us embody love. So first, the mind. What do you think of when you think of the mind? Now, I know we're not sitting and having a conversation, but maybe you can think of a few things. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our knowledge. I think mindfulness comes out of this idea of being thoughtful or understanding, and we certainly can love with our minds, right? Just thinking about someone or wanting to share something that we've thought of about someone, being thoughtful, right? Thinking of others. This is all very cognitive, but it's a really important aspect of love. Thinking of God looking at me, right? We talked a little bit about that in the last episode and how that 
can be a really helpful image that comes to our minds. In addition to though our mind and the cognitive knowledge that we have about love, that wouldn't be enough, would it? Just this idea, this thought. But we also have our embodied experience, which I think comes through the next three elements. First, our strength. I think this is the idea of our our bodies, our our as the definition in the Hebrew gives, our muchness, our action, our behavior, right? Our strength moves us to do something, to create something, to influence something. And much of the definition within this is our, our capacity. Whatever we do, we have this empowerment, this muchness that God has given us to will to do love, right? To accept and to receive love. And then we have the heart. Heart can be described as kind of the emotion center, but also the relational center, right? Can you think about a time where maybe your emotions got flooded, this feeling of affection that we might have for someone or for something, right? Our heart is relational because that's how we were created to be in relationship with God and with others. And yet it can't be the only concept, right? We have our mind and our strength and our heart. We also have our soul. And this is a really weird thing to kind of try to define because oftentimes it can be very much a concept. But the way I like to define it is the soul is embodied, right? Like our strength in our mind in our heart is embodiment of a soul. Our life is not just about our feelings or our thoughts or even what we do, but it's so much deeper. It's the spiritual aspect to our, our personhood created in the image of God, as we talked about last week. This idea is our God-breathed existence. We are and hold the Imago Dei, this image of God. We are created in Him. And so the soul is embodied in our strength and in our mind and in our heart, right? Each of these elements independently, apart from the soul, are just physical aspects of personhood, but all together, right, endowed with a soul, we see this image of God appear. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And so now the question is, from this understanding of these four components of the whole person, how do we experience love in these areas? This can be such a helpful tool when we're feeling distressed or maybe even disembodied from our experience. Maybe we're feeling distant from God, distant from others. 
one tool that I use often is being able to check in with each area, with our hearts, with our minds, with our soul, and with our strength. And so I'll encourage you to do that even just now, taking an inventory of how am I experiencing God's love in my mind? In what ways and what avenues, what practices and habits are forming my mind to be more attuned to God's love for me? Right. This can be through scripture reading, through worship music. This can be through just mindful thinking of God and Lectia Divinia, which we've talked about before, this mindful prayer and reading of scripture. We're taking in truth, right? Maybe it can be through prayer and meditation. If you think about the way our minds are wired, right, to learn and grow and understand, how am I seeing God's love in that? In what ways is God's love showing up to me cognitively? In addition to this, we can also then ask the question, okay, maybe I have all of this cognitive knowledge, but I'm still feeling pretty disembodied. Well, then we move to the next box and ask the question, how is God's love coming to me through my strength, through my muchness, through my movements, right? What are you creating? I think this is a really beautiful segue to the passage of scripture in Ephesians 2, 10, where it says we were created for good works. This idea that we are God's workmanship and that God has called and equipped us for good work. So how is God showing up in our bodies, in our doings, in our creativity? This can be a helpful way to see God moving towards us. And also also see the way in which we are moving towards others. We are loving strangers like neighbors or those that are hard to love. Even in our minds and our strength, we have to move even further and deeper into this idea of what experiencing love looks like from a relational level, right? How do we experience God's love moving towards us? I think of the passage where it says God delights in you. He dances over us with singing. And this idea of a God that wants a relationship with me, right? This movement towards me allows me to then move towards him. And in doing so, I become more like him. And this love moves us into connecting with others. And then finally, we have the soul. And how do we experience God's love in our souls? You know, what brings our souls comfort, what brings our souls peace. I think for me, it's it's this idea of stilling myself. I'm really bad at being still, and it's a continual practice of silence and stillness, choosing to not be on my phone or choosing to drive in silence, choosing to not turn the TV on and just be still. And there's a quote that I read recently, and I don't know who it's by, but it says this, Understand through stillness, act out of stillness, and conquer in stillness. And this has been my prayer recently as I am coming to understand the movement of God in my soul, this connection and encounter with God in the stillness and in the silence. This is how God comes to me in my soul. And for everyone, it's different. So asking the question, how is God coming to me in these four areas it's going to be very unique because God speaks to each of us differently. And yet there are practices in each of these areas that can help us grow to be able to experience God and then move out of that experience of love to others. What impacts you every day? 
There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now that we have a better understanding of the ways in which we can give and receive love from God and from others, I think it's helpful to talk through why God made us this way. If our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength are all to be integrated into love, what happens when we are disconnected from these parts of our lives? I think this can be best understood by the parable of the sower and the seed, found in Mark 4, 1 through 9 and 14 through 20. So let me read this passage for us. It says this. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And others fell on the rocky ground, which did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched it, and since it had no root, it withered away. Another seed fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell in the good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. In verses 14 through 20, Jesus explains this parable and connects some beautiful descriptions for our application. He first talks about those seeds that were put on the path. This is where the word was sown, and they hear it, and Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown to them. When I think about this definition of the seeds that fall along the path, I think of seeds that are just about the hearing, just about the cognitive in some cases. So I like to call this the mind-oriented approach. We hear it, we listen, but what can happen so easily in this place of mind-oriented approach to love, to life, to being, is that Satan can come very quickly and distort our beliefs. In addition to those that are mind-oriented, we also see this depiction of the seed that is sown in rocky ground. And it says this in verse 16, and those ones who hear the word immediately receive it with joy. So now we're adding another context to this, right? So they heard it, mind, and they immediately receive it with joy. This is very heart-oriented, isn't it? It's very feelings-based. And yet we read in verse 17, they had no root in themselves, which oftentimes happens. We first experience something, we feel so good about it. But what happens if we don't have depth of root, if we don't have something anchoring us, it says 
that they endured a while, and then, when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fell away. When we're looking at this through the lens of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we see how both the heart and the mind are lacking something. Not to say that they aren't good and needed. We need to hear the word and we need to have joy and affection and connection with the word of truth. And yet there's something missing. And so we keep going, we keep reading, and we see another element of this when we read about the seeds that are sown in the thorns. And it says this in verse 19, those that were sown in the thorns, they heard the word again, they hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for things entered in and choked the word and it became unfruitful. I will go first in saying that the strength-oriented aspect of my personhood is very strong. And what can happen often is even in my thought patterns and in my affections, this desire for doing, this desire for fruitfulness and growth, although good and beautiful and God-given, I would say, can oftentimes fall prey the deceitfulness of riches to the desire for things that aren't actually going to create a love and affection that is lasting. This is the idea of counterfeit love, substitutes for what God wants to give us. It's so easy in our world to be distracted by many things that say they will offer us what God intends for us. And yet we read in the final verses of this passage in this story that those that were sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept the word, and then bear fruit. When I hear this, I think of this soil, this good soil, as a soul connection. When we integrate all parts of us, not just our mind, not just our heart, not just our strength, but connecting our soul, heart, mind, and strength, we are able, better able, designed to hear the word, accept it with joy and understanding, and then bear fruit. When I think of good soil, I think of the passage in John 15, where he says to abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so there's this soul aspect to our ability to receive and to give love both to God and to others. This good soil is cultivated in being connected to the one who loves us. And this by no means is easy. I think in our world, it can actually be very difficult to believe that we are beloved, as I talked about in last week's episode. And he continues to talk about this, both first for ourselves, that we abide in his love. Then it moves towards others. We see in John 13, how he talks about, I've given you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so with this commissioning, I hope that we can start beginning to understand how love is cultivated, both first for ourselves and then also the practice of following Jesus and demonstrating this love. Here are some questions that you can consider as we begin to practice this embodiment of love. First, when you think of ways to love and receive love, what comes to mind? Out of the four parts of self, heart, mind, soul, and strength, which do you connect with the most and how you receive or give love, and which is most difficult? In verse 20 of the sower in the seed story, it says, But those sown in good soil 
are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. What does this mean to you? And lastly, as we read John 15, 5, what ways can you practically abide in the love of Jesus as we cultivate a heart, mind, soul, strength approach to love? Remember, how we love begins with being connected to the one who loves us. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkoyer.com. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.